I'm Michael McMullen. Welcome once again to the World Snooker Tour podcast. There is no award for most improved player of the season, but if there was, I think this man would be the front runner. It's great to be here with Joe O'Connor. Joe, welcome along. Cheers, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. You had a really good amateur career, Joe, including winning the English Amateur Championship, a very historic event with many great champions in the past. So how hard a title was that to win when you claimed it? Um, obviously, it was a, a very tough um, very tough tournament at the time. I think I had just turned pro maybe a month or two before going into sort of the final stage of that tournament. So um, my confidence was sort of through the roof and, and ready to sort of get on tour. And that was the last sort of step, the last the title to conquer before I turned pro. And you also played pool to quite a high level as a youngster as well. How good did you get at that? Um fairly good i would uh, i would say um as a junior i started playing i think i was about 11 got into the england junior team at 13 um and then went on to win um two world masters champions championships uh two european championships and the world championships along with a lot of team events as well and we're here in your home city of Leicester recording this. Great to be here. And for me, this is the ultimate Q-sports hotbed in all of Britain. There just seem to be so many clubs around the city. So how great was it to be growing up in that environment? Oh, yeah, it's great. Um, you know, I sort of grew up in a club in, in town where Louis plays out of Louis Heathcote, uh, Club 147. And there were so many good players in that in that club. And, and it was just great to sort of, you know, I, I don't know if I was maybe the best when I was sort of started but it was just great to be amongst so many good players and I think that's uh, sort of spurred me on. That's just around the corner isn't it from the morning side where so yes, many tournaments have been yeah. on. Yeah. You made a great start to your career you look at the players you beat in your first season Ryan Day, Kyron Wilson, Ding Junhui and John Higgins. Now I've spoken to you about this in the past that you feel the better your opponent the better you play. Now why do you think that would be? Um... I'm not sure. Um, it may be something to do with concentration. Um, being sort of under the spotlight, you know, on the main table, in front of a crowd against players that you, you can't give chances to. Um, maybe that just makes me sort of hyper-focus in a way and, and brings the best out of my game, I'm not sure. And what did that do to you so early on in your career to get the boost of confidence, beating so many top players? No, it was it was great. Um, I would have liked to have sort of carried it on, um, but I don't think maybe at the time my sort of game was as all round as it is now. Um, you know, maybe a, a few learning curves and a bit more experience. And you know, I'm, I'm glad to be where I you know I like to be now. Yeah, your all round game must have been pretty good the day you played John Higgins because you can't beat him without having that. So that took you through to the semi-finals of the Welsh Open again, right at the start of your career. You were beaten by Stuart Bingham in that semi-final. How do you look back on that now? Was it one that slipped away from you, or was it a case that Stuart just had too much experience? Um, no, I was still playing really well that week. Um, going into the semi-final, it was my first semi-final, and I didn't realise the cloth got recovered on the semi-finals mm. which threw me off a lot um and you know I've, I've said this to sort of mates and family I think the um balls were polished as well and it just played so different to the the rest of the week um I, it was almost like you know playing with side and, and sort of technical shots um it was just a guess you know going into that match and 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I think um, that was the first time as well. They let us have, I think, 10 minutes practice before the match mm. on the table. Um, so I went down, played, and I was playing well still. Playing well. Got to the match. It, I think I broke off first. And I broke off and I was like, wow, um, okay, I'm going to need to sort of adjust quite a bit. Um, and, you know, I had a word with Stuart at the break. And, you know, he said he sort of, you know, table was playing sort of quite hard and slippery and, and sort of skiddy and... I think he just adapted quicker, to be honest. Being prepared for things like that and knowing things like the fact that the cloth gets changed before the semi-final, picking up those little lessons is all part of the process of learning as a pro, isn't it? Yeah, of course. You know, like, like I say, the the experience of of that week, um, you know, as gutting as it is not going on to the final or win it, um, I beat some, you know, top players in a row and... It was experience that, that I can take into the rest of my career. When someone does something like that so early on in their career, you expect them to kick on and then be in more semi-finals and finals and that. Now, it didn't happen for you over the next few years, but did you feel that you were still steadily improving throughout that time? Um, yes. Um, I've always sort of worked hard on the practice table and uh, I knew there was more work to be done you know that that week was a bit of a sort of came out of nowhere week um everything just seemed to click everything was going right everything I did worked um you know technically and sort of break building splitting into packs everything just seemed to work that week and you know the the, the next sort of six months year um maybe it didn't as much and and it was a bit of a step back but uh you know, I just keep my sort of hard work on the practice table knowing that it will come again. Obviously, that would have been a frustrating thing for you to not back up that week. But it also sounds as though you were patient and you knew that it wasn't realistic to think you were going to be getting to semi-finals regularly straight away. You knew you still had to improve further. Yeah, um, you know, even that week, I look back and I played really, really well, but there was still a lot more to improve on. Um, if I wanted to go on and win titles, you know, there was parts of my game that, I needed to tighten up, you know, safety, long putting and scoring heavy when you get in every single time is something that the top boys do on a regular basis and I don't think I was doing it as much then, although I did do it throughout that week, leading, you know, up to it and after it, it didn't continue as as high a standard as it was. And all that patience paid off with a great week in Edinburgh earlier in the season. And we'll talk about some of the matches specifically in a moment from the Scottish Open. But was it a case of just finding your form as you played your way through the tournament? Or did you go there feeling this could be a special week? Um, I don't think I went there thinking that that was the week that I was going to do well. But uh, the last sort of six months to a year... Maybe maybe even a little bit longer. Um, in practice, I've been very sort of consistent, solid, and a lot closer to where I want to be. Um, and, you know, I said to family and friends a couple of tournaments before, and, you know, I even said it after. Um, I was waiting for for that to click again. Mm. You know, I was I was waiting for... Maybe all it needed was, you know, the first match against Zing Tong. Great player and... and you know, you get through that and it just boosts your confidence enough to free roll the rest of the tournament a little bit. Um, so I knew it was there. It was just sort of just waiting to come out, I think. 
And he got through to the semi-final against Neil Robertson, obviously one of the best in the world, one of the best there's ever been, in fact. I think the thing that impressed us most that night against Neil was the way when you got yourself into a winning position, you actually seemed to improve. A lot of players struggle to get over the line, but you seem to absolutely thrive on the opportunity. Yeah, I, I just try and take every sort of situation as it comes. Um, I try not to think about the winning line or, you know, even if you're behind, this, this shot might cost you the match or... At the end of the day, the the, the shots are, are there. Nothing changes whether there's pressure on it or not. You know, it's still the same shot. Um, you you just go there and, and sort of do what you've done in practice. That's that's why you practice. That's why you do all the hours for you, for an opportunity, for a chance to to get over that line. And, and I see it as a, a chance and an opportunity rather than um, a lot of pressure on the shots. A lot of players could talk in those terms and then go out into the arena and not be able to produce it. But as I say, you really were in that match. Do you think your temperament is one of your biggest assets? Yes, I think so. Um, I've always said it. It's been sort of that case right the way back to my poor days. Um, everyone's always said that my temperament's you know, been good and I think it sort of showed the last sort of month or two, especially in sort of the players. I got a lot of uh, praise praise then and um, it's starting to sort of show and a lot of people are starting to see it now Is that just the way you are as a person Joe or is it something you've worked on over the years? Um, I think it's just the way I am, I'm quite calm and sort of collective and sort of methodical in life I think um, and yeah I don't I don't get caught up in, in emotions and, and you know situations, I just sort of, it is what it is and, and I'll deal with it when it comes and that temperament served you well in that semi-final, as I say, against Neil Robertson. The moment everyone remembers is that break of 47 that you made. Not the biggest break of your career by any means, but one of the best. And it was getting so much praise, people were raving about it. I remember interviewing you on Eurosport after the match, and I brought it up. And you were talking along the lines of, well, was it really that good? I didn't even really notice. So have you looked back on it since and thought, actually, yeah, that was pretty special? Yeah, I've seen it plenty of times on Facebook after... Um seen it shared all over the place um yeah it's a it's obviously a really good break but like I say when I'm in them situations I'm taking one ball at a time I know what I need to do um and if you just concentrate on one shot at a time it is going to lead to a break of some sort Mm. um uh but no I didn't at the time I don't think I I didn't realize sort of how how good everyone thought it was. Well, people were going crazy about it while it was happening. You were obviously out in the arena and not aware of it, but it was already being talked about as one of the greatest breaks of all time. That must be fantastic to hear people saying things like that and just give you the belief that you can produce like that in such a big match. Yeah, of course. It's a, it's a great sort of bit of confidence boost. And, yeah, you know, it even gives me a bit more confidence knowing that that's not the best I can do. You know, um, there's still more to show. um, And that's why I continue to come in and practice hard because I've not shown, you know, the the, the last 20, 30, 40% of what I can do. We've had 84 centuries this week, including a maximum. But if he pops this black, this is surely the break of the tournament. Well, this is absolutely sensational the way he's taken these. I agree with you. What an incredible clearance that was. My word, some of the shots he played to keep it going. He's found inspiration from somewhere this week, Joe O'Connor. 
So that took you into the final then against Gary Wilson. Both of you going for your first ranking title, which is unusual actually in a final for both players to be in that position. Now he won 9-2, but how do you reflect on it? Do you think that was a fair representation of how the match went? No. Um, I mean, I, I know I didn't play well in, in the final. Um, it was just sort of a bit of an off day. Um, but even the first session, I think I finished it 6-2 down, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I could have easily been 6-2 up um, on another day, maybe a bit more run or, or yeah, just an, another day. I could have easily been going into that sort of later session 6-2 up, buzzing to get over the line. Um, but that day wasn't that day and, and, you know, fair play to Gary sort of didn't let me get going and didn't let me settle as as I have been all week. Gary's a really good player, Joe, but even he would be the first to acknowledge he's never been one of the very best. Would it almost have been easier, particularly given what we were talking about earlier, to have played one of the superstars of the game in that final? Um, I'm not sure. You know, Gary is still a, a very good player. Um, and and I knew that I needed to play as well as I have been all week. Um maybe maybe but then you know you play maybe say Ronnie in the final and I can play well and and maybe just fall over the line you know Mm. how good Ronnie is and yeah I I don't know you sort of just take it as it comes it is what it was and um, that's just the way it is and when you have a run like that, it gets you into other big events, including the Players' Championship, which you talked about, and another good run there. You got to the semi-finals, 4-2 up against Ali Carter. It turned around, and Ali won the match by six frames to four. So how do you look back on that now? Was that one that got away? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I missed two two shots that uh, sort of stick in my mind a little bit. Red into the middle uh, to go 5-2 up, I think it was. And a pink... Uh, clearing up for a respotted black to go five three up. Um, yeah, it's just just sort of one of them matches. My sort of started to sort of queue across the ball fractionally um, during that match, and, and it cost me a couple of shots. And that's all it takes when you're playing the top players. But it was a great run, and obviously the players' championship you can only get that far by beating very good players. You'd also been to the Welsh quarterfinals recently. You see a lot of players who come through, get to their first final, and you think they're going to build on it, and then nothing happens for years after that. So how pleasing is it that having had that great run in Edinburgh, you've really built on it in the months since? Yeah, like I say, it's been a long time coming. Um, I've been sort of consistent for a long time now, um, and and it's starting to show. And now I'm getting the sort of the match wins under my belt and, and quarterfinals, semifinals, you know, finals. Um, it's just all experience and next time I get there nothing will be new and um, hopefully I can just sort of get, get over the line comfortably We'll take a break from talking about snooker for a moment to do the quick fire round Favourite movie? Uh, Longest Yard Best place you've ever been on holiday? Uh, Tenerife Interests outside of snooker? Boxing, football, jiu-jitsu, gym Your favourite type of music? Hip-hop, rap And the ideal way to spend a day off? Gym, boxing, football, and a bit of PlayStation at night. Similar to previous answer. You talk about football there, are you a Leicester City fan? I am, yes, although I haven't really followed them as much sort of the last year or two. 
but I still follow them every now and again. So when you say football, you mean playing? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. What position do you play? Uh, I'm more of a defender. Right. Are we talking four matches or five aside? Uh, five aside. Five aside. So five aside, you sort of play a bit of everywhere, but um, my natural sort of game is a defender. Yeah. About thirty or forty years ago, the idea of snooker players having to look after their fitness just wasn't a thing at all. But it really does help, doesn't it? Particularly with keeping you mentally sharp. Yeah, I think it, I think it helps uh, longevity as well. Um, keeping your mind sharp, you've even your joints and your muscles. You know, I uh, went for a sort of a massage this morning, and you know, I see that as a, as a longevity thing. And you know, practicing hours and hours in a one position all day it's not good for the human body and, and there's going to be problems down the line. You mm. know, Mark had trouble with his shoulder um, and, yeah, I try and prevent the sort of the problems before they come, I think. I remember one theme in Edinburgh as we move on was that you really wanted to thank some people who had helped you through your career and some of them were there for the final to share that big moment. So who are the people who have been important to your progress in the game? Uh, most of my family, really. Mum, Dad, uh, Nana and Grandad, uh, Nonna, um, other Grandad's Des, um, my friends Tyler, um, AD. There's there's so many, there's so many. Even you know someone like Tom Ford, Louis Selby, um, you know people like that. Chris Wakelin, my sort of practice partners that I've sort of practice for such a long time um they've sort of they've helped me get to where i am and in scotland you mentioned your granddad in particular so what role has he played um he's recently sort of the last few months he's been coming down um he's he's always sort of followed me around you know tournaments um and recently he's been coming down picking balls out for me and, and that's i think sort of topped sort of where I've been and, and just put the edge on, on my practice and just making sure that you're fully concentrated for the you know the whole time you're here and, and working on certain shots that maybe I wouldn't have before and he he can sort of come into practice, watch the match and then tell me if any if he spots anything, you know, certain shots that maybe I I'm not good at or, you know, I missed a couple that cost me and, and sort of we'll work on them and just little bits that, you know, just gain an extra percentage or two. And when you're at the top of the game, that's that's what matters. And you mentioned some of the other Leicester pros there. There are five of you on the tour, which is remarkable. Has that been important to you, to have some of the Leicester lads at the events with you and to pick their brains and all support each other? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the players on tour are quite sort of nice and, and down-to-earth when you talk to them. And, you know, I've sort of picked, picked a lot of people's brains, I think. You know, just, you know, random questions. But Tom... Uh, who I share the unit with. Um, obviously, I've, I've asked him quite a lot, and he he helps me. So he especially did a few years ago um, when my sort of break building. That's that's the sort of thing he sort of picked up picked up on. And uh, just well, he's Mr. Maximum, isn't he? So he can certainly help in that department. Yeah, I can't really tell him what to do when it comes to <laughs> break building. Um, so no, he he just helps me. You know, playing if I'm playing the wrong shot, or you know, I'll explain why, or, or just l- very little things, but. You know, you take them into the rest of your career, and they do help. And we are in your practice unit here, and not every player has a setup like this. This is just fantastic. So, how important has it been to have this? Yeah, it's great. Um, me and Tom, uh, before we got this place, we uh, didn't have a club, 
So with when I got to the Welsh uh, semi-final on my first year, um, six months before that, I, I didn't have anywhere to practice. So I had to travel every, every single day to play someone. That was my practice. Um, when you say nowhere to practice, do you mean nowhere with the right facilities? Because plenty of places to play snooker in Leicester, but they don't um, all have the proper tables. I wasn't based anywhere. Right. Um, so I, I didn't have a table good enough like the star tables like the ones we practice on uh at tournaments to go and do sort of solo practice on and, mm. and it'd be beneficial um obviously there's you know a lot of clubs in leicester and 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 you know around sort of the surroundings but some of them maybe don't benefit you are you someone who practices hard joe do you really keep putting in the hours are you motivated to do that yeah i i'm i'm here to uh win everything i uh I've always sort of been there, have like a winning mindset and I think that's showed in the pool world and is yet to sort of show in the snooker world but obviously it's a lot harder and, and takes a bit more time. And this could be a real springboard this week for much better things. Mark Allen has been by far the player of the season, three ranking titles. But he's been stunned by Joe O'Connor who produces yet another steely clearance to reach the quarterfinals of the Players' Championship. Terrific poise under pressure. Joe O'Connor beats Mark Allen 6-3. You're 27 years of age now. You're coming to the end of your fifth year as a pro. Now, that is still so early on, particularly when you look at the longevity of some of the other players now. You've made it into the top 32. You've been to a ranking final. You've shown consistency now over the last few months, which can be the hardest thing to achieve. So how would you sum it up in terms of where you're at now in your career compared to where you might have expected to be by this stage? Um, I think if you look in the terms of age, I would love to have been a lot further along. Um, but having not started um, till a lot later on compared to everyone else, um, your fifth year on the tour... Top 32, I don't think you can moan at that, but I wanted to be number one at the end of the first year. So <laughs> be pretty hard to do it on one year's <laughs> points. And one big event coming up for you is World Championship qualifying. You've not been to the Crucible, which is perhaps surprising, even though you've only had a few goes at it. So how much would it mean to you to get there and play at the game's greatest venue? Yeah, it's, it's a dream. That's the That's the pinnacle of our sport and... You know, I've lost in the last round twice now. I lost to um, Ashley Hugo last year, and and he played amazing. Um, I, and I was playing, I was playing really well in the qualifiers as well. And he just sort of, yeah, you know, he he played unbelievable and, and fair play to him. Um, but hopefully this uh, this year I can, I can qualify and, and top off an incredible season. And often, Joe, I finish by asking players ultimately how good can you be, but it sounds like you have no limits. On your aspirations, you want to be the very best. Exactly that. Um, yeah, I'll put the work in, and that's whatever comes comes. And what do you think is going to have to happen over the next few years? What areas do you need to improve in to make that step up? Um, I think uh, just sort of a little bits, little, little percentages on everything. I think is the is the key, and uh, just keep as long as you keep moving forward. Eventually, you'll get there. So there's no one particular area you feel you need to work on? It's just get a little bit better at everything? Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick maybe the rest, um, you don't play many shots for the rest, um, and, and possibly break building. 
positioning. Um, I know sort of Stephen Hendry. Um, I watched a little bit of the the players semi final, and he sort of picked apart my uh, positional play a little bit. So maybe that's something to work on. Well, people say there are no good young British players coming through. You have definitely proved over the last few months that that is not the case. It's been great to see. We wish you all the best to see how it progresses from here. And thanks so much for joining us on the World Snooker Tour podcast. Cheers. Thank you. Next week's episode will be the last before the Crucible. Everyone's got their views on who the champion will be come the 1st of May. Ronnie O'Sullivan for a record eighth time. Maybe a resurgent Mark Selby will win number five. Or perhaps it'll be someone none of us expects just like Joe Johnson, the world champion of 37 years ago, when he stunned Steve Davis in a final to remember. We'd played money matches as an amateur, and I'd always won. So I'd never played him as a professional up until that stage. So again, even though he was a formidable snooker player, make no mistake, and the best that had ever lived at that time, I, I didn't have that fear of him. So if I'd have lost, everybody expected me to lose. And if I won, wow, <laughs> what a day. So that's coming up next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast. And don't forget our bonus content, The 147, rounding up the week's snooker headlines in 147 seconds, out every Tuesday and available to download at wst.tv. Until next time, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.